0: Would you please turn with me in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 2. I think actually having, a book, having it in front of you might be helpful this morning. I'm going to really spend a lot of time on one phrase. It's page 1,665 in the Bibles in front of you here. Um, I feel like I should say, you can probably tell I have a cold. Now, one of my boys brought a cold home from school this week so we all spent a couple of days hunkered down, getting tested. It's not COVID. (laughs) Just figured I'd put you at ease. It's just a miserable, stinking cold. Ephesians 2. Beginning at verse 1, listen to God's word. As for you... You were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work and those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, and then pay close attention to this phrase, gratifying the cravings of our flesh or gratifying the desires of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. We, like the rest, were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in our transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus In order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace, expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved, through faith. And this is not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Which God prepared in advance for us to do. The word of the Lord. So today, we're talking about something that might be the most powerful factor in all of our decision making. We're talking about desire. Our desires are not only the driving force behind every decision, every major decision that we make about the direction of our lives, but our desires are also the stimulus for every little, every unconscious decision that we make throughout the day. We are creatures who are driven by our desires. Uh, A little while ago, I listened to a small part of a very bad sermon uh, where the preacher said over and over, he said, We are what we believe. We are what we believe. And he said, We wouldn't be liars if we really believed that God hated liars. He said, We wouldn't be tempted to steal if we really believed that God hated thieves. And we wouldn't be greedy if we really believed that God hated greed. So according to this guy, the problem was what we believed. We weren't believing. We aren't believing hard enough. Now, I have all kinds of grace for bad sermons because I know how hard it is to preach a good one. But I think this guy is off his rocker. <laughs> Our problem has nothing to do with what we believe. It has to do with what we desire. See, his assumption, this preacher's assumption, is that you and I are primarily thinking beings, that we are primarily thinking beings. His assumption is that we are essentially our brains. We are our brains, and our brains make rational decisions about what we are going to do with our bodies based on what we believe. This is not true. We are not primarily thinking creatures. We are primarily desiring creatures. Consider it for a second. Does your brain run the show? Or do your impulses? We are desiring creatures. Here's how I know. If we we were primarily thinking creatures, would any of us have ice cream at home in our freezers? No, that stuff will kill you. And yet, we all do, and we're all somewhat proud of it. And now we're thinking we might have a a scoop or two tonight, right? We have ice cream in our freezers because we are primarily desiring creatures. Do you know why McDonald's doesn't sell steamed carrots? Because we are not primarily thinking creatures. If we were, they'd make bank on that stuff. But we, we don't make decisions based on our thoughts. We make decisions based on our longings. Do you know why advertisers use sex to try to sell literally everything? It's not because we're thinking creatures. It's because we're desiring creatures. What does sex have to do with this toothbrush? I don't know, but I know which one I'm going to get next time. You may laugh at that. That's okay. We're up here, folks. We're not down here. We're up here. We're not up here. We're down here. We come at the world heart first. So, what do we do with our desires? Some people will tell us that we need to follow our desires. You ever seen a Disney movie? Follow our desires. Give in to our desires. You do. You do the things that make you happy. Life is short. Apologize later. Other people, and I think this is very often um, uh, where the where the church falls. Other people will tell you that we need to shut off our desires that we need to turn off our desires, that we need to squelch them, that we need to limit them, and we need to discipline ourselves not to operate so much from down here, but to operate more and more from up here. I am not particularly comfortable with either of those choices, (laughs) which is why... I am so fascinated by, and I am so excited to share with you what uh, I learned in my study of this passage. If your Bibles are still open, take a a look again back at verse 3. It's the little phrase that I highlighted for you, okay? Uh, And it says, says, all of us also lived among them. Paul is talking about the pervading evil realities in our world. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings or the desires of our flesh. What does that mean? Gratifying the cravings or the desires of our flesh. Sounds like some pretty exciting stuff, doesn't it? The cravings, the desires of our flesh. It sounds like some rated R material. What are the desires of our flesh? Let's break this down the Greek word that Paul uses here for for desires or cravings is the word epithumia. Epithumia. You're going to hear me say that word about 200 times before this sermon is done. Thumia meaning desire, epi meaning over or beyond. So the word epithumia which Paul is warning us against here, means over-desire. It means means to desire something far more and far beyond what we actually should. It means to desire something in a way that is not healthy. It means to desire something in a way that does not make sense. It means to desire something in a way that will not help you. So the the problem here isn't that we have thumias, desires. The, the problem is not that we have desires. The problem is that we have epithumias. We have over desires. That's what's getting us in trouble. So, for example, uh, you see that I have this nice, shiny quarter. Uh, and it's neither shiny nor nice. But you see my shiny quarter and you think, well, that's really wonderful. Man, I really want Stefan's quarter. And so you come up to me and you're like, hey, Stefan, can I have your quarter? And I say, no, it's my quarter, and I like it, and I'm going to keep my quarter. And you say, Stefan, I will give you $100 for that quarter. That is epithumia. The fact that you want my quarter, that's just a thumia. But when you offer me 400 quarters in exchange for my one quarter, you're not up here anymore. right? You're down here. It's an epithumia. Now, that's, that's kind of a silly example. But if you think about it, this is the kind of thing that goes on with us all the time. We are constantly making irrational decisions because we over-desire things. This week, some of us We'll sacrifice our own well-being and our own health and we will work a ridiculous amount of hours because we over-desire success and wealth. This week, some of us will sacrifice our relationships with the people who mean the most to us and instead we are going to be glued to our phones because we are hoping for for the likes and the hearts and the shares because we over-desire the affirmation of others. This week, some of us will sacrifice our own precious physical health in order to eat all the ice cream and smoke all the cigarettes, or whatever it may be. Even though we know better, we know, it's not a matter of belief, we know better, but we'll do this because we over-desire the sense of relief that those things bring to us. Here's what I find so fascinating about what Paul says about desire. In each one of those epithumias, each one of those over-desires which threaten to kill us and to take away our relationships, in each one of those epithumias, somewhere down deep, there is a good and beautiful thumia. There's a good and beautiful desire. But somehow it just goes too far. So let's be gracious with ourselves for a moment and think about some of these things again. Why do we work 70 hours a week in jobs that we don't really like for money that we don't really need? Because we want to feel consequential. We want to feel like we matter. We want to feel like we're somebody. Why do we live online hoping that our posts and our pictures get likes? It's because we want to be seen. We want our voices to be heard. What a beautiful desire. Why do we eat all of that trash that has absolutely no nutritional value, it's because we want to feel satiated in our bodies. It's because we want to feel at peace. It's because we want to feel satisfied. Folks, we were created to want to feel those things. We were engineered by the creator of the universe to want to feel those things. But when we don't get them, over and over again, and day after day after day, we want them even more and even more and even more, and we're willing to sacrifice 400 quarters just for the one that we want. And somewhere beneath all of those epithumias are some really good and beautiful thumias. Take it from an alcoholic. in all of my life, you know where I meet the most sincere, good-hearted people with the strongest, most beautiful desires? You know where I meet those people? In rehab clinics and AA meetings. Not at church. In rehab clinics and AA meetings. We alcoholics are people with a chronic disease that tells us that we need to drink. We need to drink in order to satisfy our desires. And that's a really big problem. But when it comes to us alcoholics, to a person, to a person in those meetings, the desire that caused us to first start drinking is a good and beautiful desire. To feel love. To feel at peace. To feel satisfied. What do we do with our desires? In Mark chapter 10, Jesus and his disciples were leaving the city of Jericho And as they were leaving, there was a blind man named Bartimaeus who started shouting at them. Bartimaeus was annoying. He started shouting at them. And he said, Jesus, Jesus, Son of David, Son of David, have mercy on me. And all of the people who stepped over Bartimaeus every day were very quick to try to shut him up. Shut up, Bartimaeus. Knock it off. Be quiet. But he shouted even louder, Jesus, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped. And he turned around and he called Bartimaeus to him. And all these people who were very annoyed at Bartimaeus and and made it a regular habit to step over him said, hey, buddy, he's, he's waving you over. And so Bartimaeus has to make his way over to Jesus, which is, which is not a small thing, right? He's blind. So he stands up and he starts to walk in the direction that he thought he heard the voice of Jesus come to. And when he finally gets there, Jesus grabs him by the arms and he asked him the most beautiful question. He said, Bartimaeus, what do you want me to do for you? What Do you want me to do for you? Bartimaeus, tell me your Thumia. Now, to everyone else there that day, that was the dumbest question in the world. What do you mean, what does he want? Do you see the guy, Jesus? What do you think he wants? He's a blind beggar, Jesus. Bartimaeus, what is your Thumia? Rabbi, I want to see. I want to see. What do we do with our desires? We share them with Jesus. We share them with Jesus. We invite Jesus into our desires. What if we went to Jesus with our desires instead of our pantries? And instead of our jobs? And instead of our phones? What if we went to Jesus with our desires? Here's the thing. So many of us, if not all of us in this room, were trained to believe that our connection with God was an intellectual connection, to believe that the way that we connect into God was to think the right things, to believe the right things. You are what you believe, that bad sermon said. You are what you believe. What if, what if also we were meant to lead with our hearts? What if also, like Bartimaeus we were, we were meant to lead with our desires. Bartimaeus, what would you like me to do for you? Jesus says. What a humanizing question that is. Our epithumias, our over desires, are really big problems. <laughs> I don't have to tell you that. I don't have to convince you of this. Our epithumias are really big problems. They can ruin everything for us. But also, they can be very, very enlightening because at their core, if you take away the epi from our epithumias, they reveal some of the most beautiful desires that we have for ourselves and that we have for the world. And along with Jesus, we can ask ourselves about those desires. And we can probe into those desires. What are your truest desires, friends? What are are the desires at the deepest parts of your heart? I read this week um, that the, the term desires of the flesh, that's how Paul phrases it in the third verse there, or cravings of the flesh. It doesn't mean the cravings or the desires that have to do with our bodies. That's the way it's translated. It doesn't mean the desires that have to do with our bodies. A fleshly desire is a desire that we have apart from God. It's a desire that we have in our flesh without inviting heaven into the conversation. It's a desire about which we have not yet invited Jesus, into which we have not yet invited Jesus. It's a desire about which we have not yet listened to God speak. Beneath our epithumias, we have very good and beautiful thumias. And I hear Paul validating that in this text. If your Bibles are still open, look at what he says in verse 10. He says, for we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Take that into your heart today, friends. We and our desires, we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. What are these good works? that God has prepared in advance for us to do? I think very often that the good works that God has prepared in advance for us to do are in harmony with our deepest desires. And if we can, in consultation with Jesus, take our greatest desires... And turn them outward on a world which is so hungry and so needy and share those things with the rest of the world. This can be our path to the greatest fulfillment. We were created with these good and beautiful desires. And God has given us these cravings and good works through which we can carry them out. Frederick Buechner has this beautiful line, which you maybe heard before. He says, The place that God calls you to is the place where your deepest gladness and the world's deep hunger meet. I'll say that again. The place that God calls you to is the place where your deep gladness and the world's deep hunger meet. I'm here to affirm your desires today. But what would it look like for us to discern our deepest desires with Jesus who says, what would you like me to do for you? And the goal of sharing our desires with Jesus would be so that we can make our desires work for us. Instead of us having to constantly work for our desires, Jesus says, What would you like me to do for you? Pray with me. Lord Jesus, it's our prayer today that you would look past our epithumias, our over-desires, and that you would discern with us the beautiful thumias inside of us, the things that we long for, the things that we yearn for, the things that we crave. We recognize, Jesus, that in your infinite wisdom, you created us to be people who want justice, who want beauty, who long for compassion, who long for love. Today, let us invite you into our greatest desires and pursue them with you as your kingdom comes. This we pray in your holy name. Amen.